Welcome back to the big program. Time to elevate your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of uh, your home, your residence, uh, with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome in an old friend, Kelly Buckberger, to Sports 1440. Bucky, morning. How's she going? How are you doing? Oh, super. Second best day of my life, big guy. <laughs> I'd love to hear the best day of your life. Well, hasn't happened yet. When we were teammates, probably. <laughs> yes, we go back a long way for sure. Uh, and talk about teammates. So one of your dear friends and uh, teammates for many, many years, Doug Waite, along with Charlie Huddy, uh, go up uh, to the uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, Hall of Fame. You'll see their names on the, the Ring of Honor, if you want to call it. Uh, boy, you've got to be just ecstatic to kind of be a part of this night with, uh, well, with Doug and, and Charlie, two of your really, really good friends. Well, it is. It's going to be a great night. We uh, had a dinner last night with a bunch of guys in uh, that came in for it, and uh, it's well deserved for both those guys. They were great teammates, and uh, um, I was a teammate with Charlie in some good years, and then with Dougie. Dougie lived with us for quite a while. He came for two weeks, but I think he uh, <laughs> left uh, two years later. <laughs> so, how long did he live with you guys? Well, it was supposed to be two weeks, but I think it was two years. Oh, man. <laughs> so that's kind of where that bond was formed, and I guess you guys have been best buddies ever since. Can you kind of just uh, talk about that relationship that was uh, forged, uh, you know, in the in the early 90s when Doug arrived here? Well, it was, it was a funny way how he got here. He got traded uh, during the afternoon in New York. He was with the Rangers, and he got traded for Essie Tickenen. Uh, just after lunch and uh so he came to us and we and he was a rookie that year if i'm not mistaken and uh then uh as you know dougie's very uh friendly he can get along with everybody <laughs> and uh i just said hey if you need a place to stay you can crash at our place so he did for that year and then and the following year and uh he's uh he was great with our kids our kids were really young at that mm-hmm. time and he's he was really good with the kids so it made it way easier and and just a great teammate. Um, it's always team first. Uh, he, you know, besides his skill and his play with what he's done, he, he's a better person than he was a player. So what was that dynamic? I mean, you're, what, five years older than him when he comes in and you you get the young family and he slides in. What was that like there at the Buckberger residence? Oh, there was a lot of action. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was a very easy transition uh, for all of us because uh, – like I said before, he's very easy to get along with, and uh, he, he's really good with the kids, and now he's got uh, three of his own, and uh, he's a great father and uh, and a great husband. And uh, when you have good people, it's easy to uh, uh, mingle and uh, be with. So Kelly Buckberger is our guest on Sports 1440. Bucky, when when Dougie arrived, it was a, a different, it was a transitional period, I guess you could say that, uh, with yourself there and, and many other great players. But, you know, after you guys won all the Cups and you were a part of a couple of them, and, and then you saw the change and the, the salary cap had everything to do with it. Well, there wasn't a salary cap, but there was one in Edmonton. But um, how, how what was that period like in the 90s where maybe the results in the mid-90s weren't there? Uh, before we get to the playoff stuff in the late 90s, what was that transitional period with Doug being a part of it and probably being kind of maybe the face of the franchise at that time? Uh, you, you got exactly right. And uh, there's no question he he was he was taking over. And uh, it was some tough years. There's no question about that on everybody from the coaching staff 
to the players, trainers, and and ownership. And those years were tough, and uh, and especially of the tradition of the Oilers of, of the past of the of the '90 and and before that. But uh, we we all got through it. We were a really young team. Jason Arnott was part of the team. Mike Greer, uh, Todd Marchant, uh, Billy Garen. We had a lot of people go through here that uh, did really well in hockey after and uh, and continued their hockey career when they left. But uh, they still, like Billy Guerin is here mm-hmm. tonight, and uh, he was there last night, and he still <laughs> says that it's one of the best places he's ever played with uh, the players, how they bond together, and the families. Uh, Kelly, why do you think uh, Billy Garrett and Doug Wade had that special connection uh, both on and off the ice? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were in the U.S. program at one time, mm-hmm. uh, hockey program. I'm not, I'm not for sure, but I, I think they were. Um, and they got similar personalities. Uh, you know, they don't take things way too serious. They they like to joke around and have fun, and uh, they're 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 pranksters. They like to uh, bring jokes with amongst the players <laughs> and the team. Uh, is there any practical joke that you could kind of share? Is it possible that uh, you know with the with the uh, under eighteen rated show here? Is there anything possible that you could kind of uh, touch on with between Dougie and Bill? Oh, it's hard hard to think of right now um, over the top, but uh, it was always it was always something. It didn't matter if we were on the road or we were at home. We we were really tight as a team, even mm-hmm. though we didn't have the results we had. Um, they were really a big part of the leadership group of this team, and uh, and then we grew as a team, and and uh, we had a little bit of success in the late nineties. Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight playoffs. Uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans of that era they remember those years just as much as the the fans remember the cups of the 80s because it was such an underdog mentality take us back to those two playoff seasons uh the the series against colorado and dallas those i mean it was just an amazing time to be uh, that underdog feeling if you can kind of expand on that bucky well i give all the credit to ron lowe and his coaching staff and uh we weren't a talented team. We were a young team. Uh, we did have strong goaltending. There was no question about that. But our D core was really young. Our forwards, I, I think I was probably the oldest one at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was 29, 30. And, uh, but we all gelled together. And uh, it, it was those lean years that uh, we had stuck together as a team, even though there was guys going in and out of Edmonton. But uh, it seemed like the core players were here. And uh, Ronnie ended up being the coach then, and uh, the guys loved playing for him because he had energy. He uh, um, he was all about the team. He would host team parties. He wanted to, us to be as tight as possible, and uh, and we we got some results for him. Obviously, we didn't win the cup, but uh, we made it to the second round, which we probably shouldn't have. Kelly Buckberger is with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, let's slide over to Charlie Huddy now. So when you got uh, to Edmonton in uh, 88 or whatever it was, how much did Charlie kind of look at a young guy and help a young guy along, just like a lot of the players uh, helped you along? What was Charlie like when you first got here? Well, Charlie's the ultimate pro, and uh, and if you look at his history, how he became an NHLer, it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh Charlie is just a good teammate, and uh, if you were to look at a good teammate, you'd probably see Charlie because Charlie didn't have many bad days at the rink. Um, he was a great teammate, and uh, 
even though he was on the decor, um, we spent a lot of time together because he's just one of those guys that you want to be around. Um, he doesn't want attention. He, he goes around his business uh, the right way. Um, and uh, you, lear- you learn from these guys that, uh, you know, how to be a great pro. And, and there's no question that uh, we took a lot of things from uh, the way he carried himself. Um, when he played with Koff uh, here, um, it's uh, it was an interesting dynamic. And, I mean, the stories that you heard about those two kind of before you got here, um, what did you kind of take from all of the um, interesting dynamic, you could call it, between the two of them, uh, between Paul Coffey and uh, Charlie Huddy? Well, Charlie was in great shape because he had to work both corners in the D zone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, they had a great bond. You know, they're, uh, obviously they're two different players, and uh, and uh, and you have to have that because uh, uh, obviously we know how offensively skilled Coffee was, and uh, and Charlie was there to back him up in, in all situations. And they had a great bond on and off the ice, and uh, it showed on the results. Kelly Buckberger is with us. Uh, lots of texts coming in. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Just a quick one here from Matt. Uh, I met Kelly at the Vancouver airport in twenty seventeen for the Vancouver Marathon. I went and talked to him, and he was the nicest, most genuine guy I met that weekend. I'll never forget that day. Thanks, Kelly, from Matt Fry. There you go. Uh, which Kelly was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got the right one, Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, I think, was it only one year that you coached with Charlie on the Oilers staff? Is that correct? I think it was one or two. I, I can't remember. I was in player development, then I was assistant coach. But then Charlie ended up going to uh, Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, not for sure, but um, we had a great coaching staff. I, I know it was right. It was only one year because I went to Springfield. That's right. And I uh, came back, and then the following year, that's when Mac T and uh, – separated and uh, Charlie went to uh, Dallas. Mm -hmm. So what was it like being on the staff with Charlie after you played, uh, you know, years with him on, on the team? I I think, you know, if you ask any player, um, the next best thing is coaching um, after you're playing. But I think the next best thing is coaching with your friends and ex teammates and, uh, and being together again um, at home on the road uh, meals, you just have that certain bond with one another and uh and you know they trust you they trust everything because they've been with you through everything kelly buckberger is with us on the kevin carey show sports 1440 uh bucky i know you were on with uh jason Greger earlier uh this year uh can you kind of tell our listeners what you've been up to in the last little while with your uh kind of endeavors well, I'm still with um, the Montreal Canadiens. I'm a assistant coach with their farm team in Laval. And uh, so I got in last night, and then I'll leave tonight uh, on the midnight flight Oof. back to uh, we go to Rochester. So I got to pull an all-nighter. But uh, we got a young team in Laval. We got uh, eight rookies. We're not, not off to a great start, but uh, it's all about developing those kids and getting them where they want to be. And we all know what that prize is being in the NHL, but it, it's a long road for all these kids. They want to be there now, but they got to realize that they got to put the time in and at the American League level and, and get better. How are you enjoying that mentorship, uh, if you call it that? I, I love it. Absolutely love the kids. Uh, I've spent time with them. You, you spend a lot of time with the kids because you show a lot of video um, in the American Hockey League in 
and I, I'm, they do a lot in the NHL, but you do a lot of individual stuff because of developing these kids. And uh, the only thing that is a little tough for me right now is probably the road trips. Um, we, we get some nine, ten-hour bus rides at times, and uh, that old body getting off that bus is not the easiest. <laughs> oh, you know what? Ladislav Schween was just in here, uh, Bucky, and he said that you could still play. Yeah, I wish. I still play with the kids, but now I'm playing with the rink attendants and our cooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's always good to catch up with you, Bucky. Uh, I was just pulling up your big file. Uh, I don't know if you uh, have ever checked out the... So just a full disclosure, so Kelly Buckberger and I have known each other for well over 40 years, played minor hockey against each other in uh, Saskatchewan. Kelly was with the... Uh, was it the Langenberg Warriors? Were they the Warriors in minor hockey too? Uh, I don't. I can't remember. Yeah. I just remember it was just Langenberg. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just remember you guys getting dominated every time you came to Melville. Is well, that- that's because your brother was playing. <laughs> 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 well, so anyway, your first you, before you went to the Moose Jaw Warriors, you did play in Melville Millionaires. And do you remember your two line mates for most of the season? Well, I know your brother was, but I don't. Uh, I can't recall who was the other one. But uh, that's so long ago. Mm-hmm. Dad was part of the organization. He was the general manager, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And your brother played, it's, and I can't remember who the other guy. I'm was. gonna. It's 40 years ago when it was Bucky, and the other. The, I think the right winger on that line was Ronnie Buffalo. Oh right, right, Ronnie Buffalo from Punishai, Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> You guys had a pretty good team. Do you remember that year? Yeah, I had I had a history with Ronnie because me and him both left uh, uh, our small towns and went to Moose Jaw for the Moose Jaw Playmores before we oh, went to Melbourne. Okay. So I, I knew Ronnie quite well. But you guys had a pretty good team. You remember Sonny Famalak was the coach? Yeah, we had a great team. I still remember. I can still picture Sonny sitting on his chair, smoking <laughs> in his coaching room, legs crossed bags under his eyes and uh just like it was yesterday yeah remember you'd go into that room you could barely see him there was about because he had about 10 packs of cigarettes down yeah it was unreal <laughs> and then the old barn was a great barn to play in i don't think we had plexiglass then did we no there was no plexiglass that's right on no. the sides but on the back yeah and uh, i think did they ripped that building down yeah they built they uh, ripped it down and now they have the uh i think it's the horizon credit union place it's a nice building it would be similar to what uh you know, one of the you know the newer buildings are. It's a it's a nice uh, building for sure right now. Yeah, yeah. So good while well, they needed it. <laughs> you got that right. Uh, uh, hey, Bucky, thanks so much for doing this. I know you got a busy uh, afternoon, and you're going to talk with. Uh, they're going to have a little thing at noon, and all the guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame room, right? Yeah, I'm on my way there right away. I'm just going to clean up here and uh, take off. I think we're meeting at uh, 11:30. So, mm-hmm. so thanks for doing this. I'll see you down there. We'll uh, shoot the breeze a little bit more. All right, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Bucky. Appreciate it. That's Kelly Buckberger, former Edmonton Oiler, former long-time National Leaguer. Kelly Buckberger, uh, 1,182 games in the NHL. That's a lot of miles on a guy that played. You want to talk about uh, effort and uh, will and uh, everything outweighing any skill. And um, I think if uh, if the Oilers of this year can bring uh, a percentage of what Kelly Buckberger brought every night. Um, They'd be in good shape. Uh, That's uh, 
elevate your game. Kelly Buckberger, Doug Waite, Charlie Huddy, all three definitely did. Uh, longtime Oilers and NHLers, and uh, it's going to be a good night at Rogers. Elevate your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts Manufacturing, the safest elevators since 1987. Trust Ram.com. When we come back, it's CFR time. Maybe we'll even get a little farming for love in Duke. Do you th- did you uh, did did you watch that last episode, Duke, or not? I watched the whole season uh, this <laughs> summer, Kev. It was a, so the uh, one I'm watching now is in repeat. It's got to be. Oh. Is it in Canada? Well, okay. I only watched ten minutes, and the thing that caught my eye is that again, all these guys are farmers, correct? Uh, the hosts, yeah. So there's there there was five or six like host farmers, and then the applicants. They could be. They didn't have to be from an agriculture background. So, like the, they were called daters. Okay. And each uh, subset of like five or six daters went to a farm where the host farmer would, you know, do this bachelor types or bachelor right. style uh, kind of reality show. So, but what I was laughing at is again, and we talked about it uh, in I think last week or whatever. All these guys are farmers, but they have name tags: Farmer Johnny, Farmer Billy. Yeah, we know they're farmers. Yeah, that was something that we had a good laugh about as we watched the show all summer is that, yeah, Farmer Dave, like every time, whether it be one of the daters talking about him, the voiceover, <laughs> the host of the like, show, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go over and visit with Farmer Dave or like two of the girls would be sitting around talking and be like, oh, how was your uh, date with Farmer Dave? And it's like that can't, they had to be under pretty strict instructions to talk that way because nobody actually talks that way. So uh, that was where the good laugh and uh, and Farmer Ashley and Farmer Gerline uh, were the two female farmers as well that were uh, hosting some groups of men to come out to their little operations as well. Well, it's exciting. Uh, oh, very exciting. <laughs> I don't know if exciting is the word I would use to describe this Canadian reality TV show well, about uh, people based in agriculture uh, trying to get a dating life going. You got Laddie's attention. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be tuning in. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, maybe the future uh, uh, contestant, applicant for Farming for Love, Tim Ellis, uh, has covered a few CFRs over the years and uh, was down at yesterday's uh, news conference uh, discussing the Canadian Finals Rodeo coming back to Edmonton. Uh, Tim guests with us right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, time now for In the Community. Hockey days are on at United Sports and Cycle, where you can save up to 35% off United Sports and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years, uh, bringing you In the Community this morning with Tim Ellis from CFCW, Ram Rodeo reporter, longtime rotisserie baseball foe. Tim Ellis, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Congrats on the new gig. Uh, Welcome to the dark side, buddy. (laughs) Well, we're in the dark side, baby. We're in the dark side. Uh, Just trying to follow your lead, big guy. Just trying to follow your lead. Sorry to interrupt. 1440, you know, that was one of the first places that I applied to get into this radio game back uh, 40-some years ago. They they never hired me, so damn it. 40 years ago. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. Well, what do you mean you applied right out of, like, what, out of your 10th year of college or what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right out of the crib. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> my mom slapped a diaper on me. Yeah, I yeah, ran yeah. with Asquin and gave him the. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And what happened? You didn't get the job, apparently. I, 
No, I didn't get the job. No. And 1440, by the way, was the first uh, radio host of the Camrose Kodiaks, too. So there's hmm. a, there's your morning trivia. Well, we're going to get into that with you a little bit more uh, later with sure. the Kodiaks. But So yesterday you were down uh, for the announcement, CFR, returning yep. to uh, Edmonton. Uh, as I guess, I mean, you were probably going down to Red Deer all these years, too. But, I mean... What's it uh, in your mind? What will this uh, be a benefit for our our city, our community, and everything to have CFR back in Edmonton after a little bit of a hiatus? Well, I, I would definitely think so. Uh, they've they've pegged the uh, economic benefits at around thirty million dollars to the city of Edmonton, and uh, I remember when the, when the CFR was here for oh so many years that it was uh, probably around fifty million back mm-hmm. in the day. That was the line they used. So it's. Uh, it's a huge benefit that way, and it's just the feeling I got yesterday. And there was there was a lot of excitement around uh, the Edmonton Convention Center and uh, uh, cowboy hats and business suits, and it was uh, it was quite a mix down there. But just just some excitement to to bring it back, and and the words a lot of them used is it, it's coming back home. I mean, it started here in 1974, and it'll be the the 50th anniversary of it. What a time to to come back! So yeah, it's. Uh, I think in the long run, it's going to be good for, well, obviously be good for the city of Edmonton. I think it'll be good for the CPRA and uh, good for the Cowboys. And I think it's, uh, for now anyway, it looks like a, a win-win for everybody. Yeah, Tim Ellis is our guest uh, on 1440. Uh, there, I don't know if a rift or whatever you want to call it. It didn't work out at the start of this with um, Rogers in the OEG at the start of when this new building was built and things like that. But I think that's a uh, water under the bridge now. So... When you recall going back to even Rexall, the atmosphere in there is amazing. So I guess my question would be, will we see that kind of same atmosphere because of the bigger crowd, bigger building uh, than in a couple of years past to having it in Red Deer? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, we, we see it with the, the hockey rinks in, in the NHL and mm-hmm. even our hockey rink here in Camrose in the AJHL. Sometimes you just can't bring the atmosphere from the older buildings to the mm-hmm. new buildings. So maybe, I mean, I remember Rexall Place, uh, talked to Cody Lamb yesterday, uh, you know, Skyreach Center back in the days that went through so many name yeah. changes, but we'd be up doing the broadcast up in section no oh, i can't remember what it was 225 or yeah. something right above the the blue seats and on the saturday night that place was packed and there was guys standing up that we couldn't <laughs> see the action down below and they were having such a time it was a great atmosphere I'm, I'm guessing we might not probably get that, but I'm assuming down below in, in those lower seats, you, you're still going to get some, some pretty good action. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what what the crowd makeup mm-hmm. is. I mean, that was always the discussion before is like how many are, are true uh, rodeo fans that follow it and how many are, are maybe from the city itself or urban areas that just want to go there and, and watch the excitement. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see who comes back, but I, I would think for a 50th anniversary celebration and, and now that they've got the announcement out there and a year to plan, that uh, should be a pretty good show. Yeah, year to plan is a big thing for sure. Tim Ellis with yeah. us on Sports 1440. What was the reaction, Tim, I guess, from the uh, Canadian Professional uh, Rodeo Association who had offers to go other places, but to get this back in Edmonton. Yeah, I, I think they're very happy. Uh, from what I understand, three uh, three bids came in. Uh, Jeff Robson, who was the, uh, was the former team roper and former general manager of the CPRA, and he was kind of the, the lead negotiator on this thing. And 
he said basically three bids. Uh, one was Edmonton, mm-hmm. one was Red Deer. They did, uh, they did come up with a bid, and one was an out-of-province bid, he said. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that was either yeah, Regina or Saskatoon, <clears throat> one of those Saskatchewan cities. I, I might lean Regina. I'm okay. not sure. I mean, uh, Saskatoon was in the mix when this first went back to Red Deer, uh, you know, six years ago. So one of those one of those cities, I'm sure, would be the other one. But uh, when, it, when it came down to it, uh, the province uh, came up with four and a half million dollars for this Edmonton bid, uh, and and just the the groups around uh, Tracy Bednard, the head of Explore Edmonton. Uh, you know, she talked about the the Edmonton destination marketing hotels group, uh, along with the city of Edmonton, the business community, the airport even got involved. It, it just seemed like this was a concerted effort from Edmonton to get this thing back where they believed it belonged. And I, I don't think the other two groups had that type of, of power. Now, if you're talking Alberta uh, and talk to Minister of Sport, uh, Joseph Scow, yesterday, and it was, uh, you can't give money to both. So I, I think they put their money behind the Edmonton bid. Red Deer was probably hoping they had that for the last five years and didn't get it for whatever reason, whether it's a change in the government or what. But Edmonton was able to secure that government money, and I think that was the uh, the kind of tipping point for them. But as far as the CPRA, I, I think they're glad to be here. They've got some incentives built into this uh, uh, contract that could really help the association down the line. They're going to have to make some big changes to the schedule. That's going to be the big thing in the, in the next coming months. But in all, I think uh, very happy with it. So Tim Ellis is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, obviously next week, uh, November 1 to 5, I believe. I guess those are the dates in Red Deer. So next year, the schedule, what, what, do you, what can you kind of, can you expand on that? What's going on? What changes would have to happen? Well, you see, the, the regular season usually finished up. Uh, this year it finished up with the Edmonton Pro Rodeo, Edmonton Pro yeah. Rodeo which, uh, of course, they're going to have to make changes to that in the coming years, too. But it was at the end of September, and that coincides also with the end of the PRCA season okay. in the U.S. that uh, Cowboys go to the NFR. So it, it's been traditionally the end of September. Well, of course, you can't do that now. So right now, so you have a month between. So the season okay. ends the end of September, CFR, first part of November. So... I guess the decision is going to be whether they keep that month. So ideally, you would end Labor Day weekend. Uh, probably mm-hmm. right now, uh, the Pro Tour ends in Armstrong, B.C. That would be, I think, uh, probably a pretty good way to end it. And then you have that month. But you've got a bunch of rodeos, probably 10, maybe 11, 12 in September. So those rodeos and rodeo committees will either have to find a new date. And weekends are hard to come by in the summer. They're pretty mm-hmm. much booked. Or they don't, uh, or they don't go anymore. So I mean, yeah. that's that's going to be the real uh, the real trick in, as far as the schedule. But I think CPRA wanted to get this announcement done. They want to get through CFR next week in Red Deer, and then from there they'll have to sit down and talk with committees and really see how next season's going to look. But it won't uh, won't look anything like this past season. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Tim Ellis with us on uh, Sports fourteen forty. Um, so where would you say the state of rodeo is, I guess, you know, mostly in Alberta? That's kind of what we're focusing on here. But uh, would you say the sport is growing? Has it been in a stagnant state? Where, where do you see it? Well, uh, very strong. If, if you look at membership this year, uh, speaking of Jeff Robson, he mentioned that uh, they had the highest membership ever hmm. in terms of uh, cowboys and, and barrel racers and breakaway ropers this year. 
so in terms of membership, it's it's very very strong. Uh, you know, there was over fifty dates on the pro schedule. That's uh, that's very strong. So I think at this point, it's it's very strong, and I, I think that's maybe why leading now into Edmonton, where you're hoping there's a little more prize money on on the table for the Cowboys and that, and for everybody that it might be a good move. But I think right now it, it's pretty strong, and it seems to have the backing of the, mm. the provincial government. I mean, Danielle Smith was at I don't know how many times I saw her this summer at all of these little rodeos, uh, Innisfail, uh, Pollockville, Alberta. Pinocchio Stampede, of course, but she made it a point to to be at a lot of these rodeos and see what was going on. And I think she uh, she really enjoyed herself and got a look at what rodeo was all about. And so I think the provincial support is there, which is uh, very uh, important. And I think if they got the backing of that, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, cowboys would be cowboys. They, They've been that way for forever, yeah. and they're they're, they're going to fight through the tough times, whether there are tough times or not. And uh, so, I, I would think it's it's pretty strong right now. Yeah, and she was looking for the rural vote as well. Let's just call. Oh, yeah. Let's call a spade a shovel <laughs> while we're at it. Um, so, with with the bigger venue, would prize money for the Cowboys increase next year? Well, I, I don't know. Again, that's another unknown. I've I've heard that it's could be relatively the same. I, I got to think it's got to increase. The, the problem with Red Deer is the prize money was based on ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they if they hit a certain number of ticket sales, then the Cowboys would get all of the prize money that was available. If they didn't hit that, then it was on a sliding scale. And so that was one of the issues that, that the Cowboys had with it, and prize money did did drop when, mm-hmm. when they moved to Red Deer from Edmonton. So I would, I would think that that it's going to increase. I don't know how much it will in the first year, and and whether again it is you know let's see how year one goes and then maybe we can put more to it. But I I think there's just well obviously there's more seats, so there's going to be more ticket sales. Number one, uh, number two, there's more backing I think from this bid. So I would I would hope the uh, prize money goes up. How much? I'm, I'm not sure. Hmm. It's a fair assessment. Um, so uh, we'll switch gears a little bit, uh, Tim, and talk a little sure. a- AJHL where you are do the play-by-play for the Camrose Kodiaks after a good start. Kodiaks had a good start to the season, but in a bit of a funk right now. Can you give us a, an update on the Bears? Yeah, well, actually, I'm just heading there right now. We got uh, we got hockey hooky at noon start. Ooh. This is early for me to uh, fire up the microphone. Yeah. But uh, against Spruce Grove again, just played in Spruce Grove last night and, and played probably one of their their better games. Uh, lost two to one, a couple of bad bounces and a crossbar and all that kind of stuff, which which happens when you haven't won in October yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, but but as far as an assessment, I mean, this was you know a whole new coaching staff a lot of changes in the organization and a lot of new players in a lot of 17 uh, year olds so that 4 and 0 start and 5 and 1 start was great mm-hmm. but you you kind of knew underneath that was not sustainable that holy man we're going to bank these 8 10 points because we we might need them in february when it comes down to crunch time so it's good they got them but i think They've settled into probably where I thought they would be is about a 500 team, middle of the pack. But now it's getting like, okay, we we need a couple of wins here to to get back where we should be. So I think the the pendulum has kind of swung back too far. And I, you know, over the next few games, hopefully it'll probably get back into that middle part where they're they're probably a 500 team and and hope to get through maybe a round of the playoffs. And then next year when 
coaching staff has had a year under its belt, and these players have had some pretty good experience, and then I think mm-hmm. we'll see uh, see a marked improvement. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, know Boris Rabalka down in Camrose, been on there for many, many years, uh, you know, uh, champions, uh, you know, several, in the early 2000s, Camrose was the, the team to beat in, in Alberta and in the country, but now Derek Martin takes over. How's that kind of transition been for the Kodiaks? Yeah, Derek's uh, Derek's a great guy. I mean, he's uh, he's very competitive. That's the first thing I noticed about him when mm-hmm. I met him. Is uh, you know he's he's got that competitive spirit. I'm not sure if it's quite as high as Boris Shabalka, as you would know. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty hard to find anybody with that kind of spirit. But no, no Derek's a good guy. He's he's got a lot of connections with hockey Alberta. He's actually just with Team Alberta at the WHL Cup here last week, and so. He's got a lot of connections when it comes to recruiting, and it, it's a young coaching staff that he has underneath him, so it's it's going to take some time. But uh, he, he's fit in well. He's fit into the community, and I think uh, I think it was a very good hire by Camrose. And I think once he once he gets his feet wet here, I mean, as part of a head coaching job, I mean, he's with Spurs Grove there years ago as an assistant coach and learned from Bram Steven, one of the yeah. one of the veteran coaches around in all circles, and so he's uh, he brings a lot to this team, and uh, I think he'll he'll do well. Well, uh, you got to get to the rink here, Tim. I just wanted to throw one year at you, 2006. Okay. Does the year 2006 ring a bell to you? Ah, the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, it does. Does it really? Yeah, the, the one and only time <laughs> that I was able to hoist the uh, Edmonton Rotisserie League trophy. Is that the year you're talking that about? That is correct, sir. Yes, yeah, we've, uh-huh. we've been in this Edmonton Rotisserie Baseball League for <laughs> well over 20 years. You've been in it... You've been in it how many years? I, I think it's got to be 30. I think this is probably, I think it was early 90s, so right around 91, 92. So it's been over 30 for me. Over 30. So, I, I joined about, 30. yeah, I'm 20, I don't know, 23, 24 yeah. probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. 2006, the only time that your team has won. And uh, the Duke is just looking at me. This guy must be a loser just going. He's just looking at him. Because, of course, Duke hosts, Duke hosts Fantasy Frenzy from 11 to 12 here. He'll probably give you, give you some tips for next year. How's that sound? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, Duke, keep my number. Maybe you can give me a call. Because, uh, well, I didn't finish last this year. I climbed out of the basement into second last. I didn't finish last this year. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in a rebuilding. rebuilding you, guys, you guys on the always- B-Wall have been in rebuilding for years. Oh, oh, I tell you, it's been a drought. It's been a drought. Uh, thanks for coming on, Tim. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your afternoon call between the Kodiaks and Spruce Grove. Will do. Thanks, Kevin. All right. That's Tim Ellis for In the Community for United Sports and Cycle, a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of old Strathcona. Yeah, we've been in that league a long time, Duke, and... Yeah, he he's been weak. He's one of the weaker owners in the league. I forgot to ask him if he ever wanted or has been watching farming farming for love too. Forgot to ask him about that. Um, how about this? This is a text here, and we're going to stick stick with this before we go to break because I'm going to bring you in here. Um, this is still regarding uh, what Tim was talking about with scheduling. This comes from Kmart. Some great points here. Kmart, thanks uh, for the uh, text. Uh, love the show, carries from a fan perspective. Uh, with CFR and Rodeo. Consider this, the new dates of October parallel Alberta's harvest. Uh, we'll lose some of the rural folks. Where are the folks to park their three-quarter tons? Johnny and Jane Farmer are likely not taking the train. Uh, that's another good point, uh, just with parking around Rogers compared to Rexall, what it was. Uh, that's that's a very fair point. Uh, there are some challenges 
What do you think? That comes from Kmart. First, talking about harvest dates, that thing, Duke. Yeah, it, there, there's always going to be some overlap as you move into the fall season. And you talk about uh, farming for love uh, the, in the show. They, I, <laughs> when I sent the application in for my buddy, the big Sabolsa, uh, Sabolia, Sabolia. Pardon yeah. me. I'm sorry, not Ukrainian. Yeah. Um, they they filmed during the fall, and so he couldn't go. Like yeah. he got to the next yeah, stages yeah. of the process. Like, and he said, "How are you going to get any real farmers on the show when you're expecting them to pick up and leave to go to these other places mm-hmm. uh, during the harvest season?" So. Um, Due to whatever uh, reasons it may be, and there's obviously exceptions, I do think the harvest season has moved up a little bit. There are uh, weather permitting, of course, uh, but it does seem a lot of people are getting the crop off a little bit earlier uh, mm-hmm. in more recent years. And, you know, it'd put your tinfoil hat on and global warming if a part of that has to do with it as well. The season seems to be a bit longer, mm-hmm. the nice weather. But aside from that, I mean, October harvest is always going to be a reality. And I don't know how many people you will lose because I think especially at that time of year, unless you're really getting into the the nitty gritty and trying to get those last uh, couple quarters off before the snow comes or something. This is something like growing up, it's always nice to take a night off, yeah. um, whether it be maybe maybe it is a little uh, an early dew or a frost or something. You can take the night off, go into the into the, the city, town, whatever the case, go out for a nice meal and then take in the rodeo with, uh, with your wifey, with your hubby, take mm-hmm. the kids, whatever. So I can see that side of it, but I don't think that is going to be a big of an issue as Kmart's second point, which is the parking situation and the downtown Edmonton yeah. aspect compared to the, the north at side at Northlands, right? Yeah. Where the parking is you can park virtually anywhere you want up there with the the stuff across the bridge at the expo center and stuff too so here's the point and i covered every cfr at well as tim said skyreach northlands uh rexall whatever you want to call it so it used to be called parking lot b which is where the players parked mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough to find a guy that was a good guy he would let he would sneak you in to park there I, I, I was lucky because I came to games a little bit late. So I would always, there might be a spot open. I could sneak in there. So for the CFR at Rexall, that whole lot is basically closed down. And then part of the lot to the north, moving north at the old Northlands Rexall parking lot, that's all livestock. That's all tents. That's all trailers um, for the events that they've had at Rogers right now, it would be the impark across the street from the north side of the building. That whole impark that gets shut down now for trailers, livestock, things like that. So that whole area is going to be, and I would imagine some of the area where the casino was, where they use for events. That that that's that's the scheduling area where you have to. I don't know how that whole road would have to be closed off then because you can't have any through traffic. There are going to be challenges for sure. And and I'm sure they've they've thought about this logistically and they have some plans in place. But I will say, and and to quote Kmart's text, Johnny and Jane Farmer not likely Mm -hmm. to take the train. Tigers can change their stripes. Yeah. Uh, that goes against the actual notion of that saying, and old dogs can learn new tricks. My my dad, um, you know, small town Alberta his whole life and, and has made the odd trip to the city for events and things. He came to uh, Shania Twain uh, <laughs> this year with uh, with mom. That's a yeah. Christmas present us kids had got him. He's loves Shania. Oh, and, well, who uh, doesn't? And, well, exactly, right? And in the past, anytime he's come for concerts, they have been at the, the Saddle Dome down in Calgary or at Rexall where parking is easier. But this time around, he just asked me for a, a little advice and say, yeah, park here or park here and hop on the LRT, get off at this stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, if my dad can do it, 
anybody can. And I know it's not the it's same as you get, points, into, so, yeah. get into a little bit more senior yeah. citizen side of things. It's not quite the same. My dad's only 60 yeah. now uh, this summer, but it, it, it can be done. And, and like I said, I'm sure they've thought through these logistics. It's uh, like I said before, I'm a little sad to see it leaving Red Deer because I love the environment mm-hmm. there in the century on the small crowd, super intimate and rowdy crowd. But uh, at the same time, I'm excited to see it come back to the province capital. If you haven't gone to the CFR, go. You'll enjoy, I mean, you'll enjoy the night. The atmosphere is great. Um, the Cowboys, I mean, they try so hard. I mean, this is, again, it's a paid event. You, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't uh, place, you get no cash, no jingle in the jeans. So uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with the Duke of Delmore on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Uh, text coming in. Uh, Walter, they've already had professional bull riding events at Rogers Place. They know how to manage events with livestock. Yeah. Okay. That's one event. Um, I don't think they bring in steers for the PBR, do they? Do they bring in calves for the calf roping? Do they bring in ladies barrel racing? Do they bring in? No. So we're talking about seven times as many. Do they bring in novice saddle bronc no so what we're saying walter is that it is a big undertaking it is a much larger undertaking than what the pbr is duke you wanted to chime in yeah just just scale wise and and the pbr events by all accounts have been a huge success Mm -hmm. down at rogers and that's great but like you said kevin just the scale the pbr usually a one or two night event we're talking a week week straight here and like just the number of livestock the number of competitors the number of uh, attendees is magnified probably more than tenfold right so it's yeah it's not even comparable um Harry says many companies will be happy to have rodeo back. You bet they will. Car dealers, business around vehicles, had people come from all over provinces. Will be good for the city hotels. Tim Ellis touched on that. How many advertising uh, dollars get spent on dealerships? Because the the cowboys come in, it, farmers come in, it's farm fair. They go down to whatever dealership, they buy a vehicle. Because they just put the grain in the bin. They just sold X amount of head of cattle, correct, Duke? Did whatever, maybe put their application into farming for love. I don't know. That's what happens. People are spending money at that time of the year. Christmas is coming up. Pick up something, right? Oh, 100%. And and looping back to the original point made by Kmart about um, rural people from rural Alberta moving into these more metro areas, whether it be Red Deer or now back in Edmonton starting next fall, is that, yeah, we, and I say we, I'm not really in this class of people anymore. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a city slicker now, uh, you know, in and out a couple times. But we don't like to make trips to the city usually. It is kind of like a as least often as possible, whether it be a special event like the rodeo or a concert. And when you're here, you kind of want to get as many birds stoned at once as you can while you're doing it. Like you said, shopping. If you are treating you, uh, getting a big splurge, like a new vehicle or a new trailer or something, you want to do it all in one fell swoop while you're here. So it, uh, yeah, like Tim said, the economic implications are, are well documented. Yes. I mean, between hotels, between uh, whatever, bars, restaurants, the mayor, Mayor Sohi talked about it yesterday at the news conference. This is a big, big deal uh, for the city. Uh, Oh, all right, Walter, let's get at it. You and I, Wally. Uh, Meh, merely an issue of scale. All right, Walter. Did you ever go, Walter, send us in a text. Did you ever go to the CFR when it was at 
Rexall, did you go, Walter? Send us in a text, please. Uh, when I went to the CFR for 18 years, because I went and covered it for 18 years, it's tougher to get in and out as far as getting into the building once you have parking down there. It was easy to find parking, easier, because of the enormity of Northlands compared to what Rogers Place is. It's just that simple. And once you take away that north lot, which would be used for livestock, trailers, etc., the road will be closed off from the north side because they have to get the animals in and out. They're not staying, you know, they're not uh, they're not staying in the Oilers dressing room, Walter. You got to get them in and out. Um, all right. This is good. The beer man comes in. Uh, and I sorry I missed uh, the beer man early. Worked at the CFR for 17 years. Happy to have it back. And he also has a quick sidebar. A great Buckburger story. We had a hawker at the Coliseum in the late 80s named Corey Flamont. He claimed to be Bucky's cousin. We believed him because he was a very honest guy, but it was more fun to razz him. Yeah, as if you were Buckburger's cousin. Uh, doesn't he say anything, but he gets his grandma, Bucky's grandma, to write a letter to us outlining how he was related. Uh, it was from Langenberg. Again, we believed him, but it was great to razz him. Uh, you got your grandma to lie for you. Ah, okay, Walter. Thank you very much. Plenty of parking north of the arena. Where? W- where is the parking north of the arena, Walter? Duke, please help me before I snap. I played a beer league game at the downtown community rink last Wednesday night, and there is the one IM Park lot directly north of the downtown rink. Which will be used. said that will be utilized for part of this thing you're talking about scale-wise. This big an event, the difference between hosting it at Rogers and at Northlands is that at Northlands, there is no issue of space or lack of um, facilities. At Rogers, you have the arena, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you have to make do because of all, all the animals you're hosting, uh, the the feed for these animals, etc. It, like it is a big and, undertaking. And we're fine with it. I think it's 100%. great. There's no problem. We're not. W- w- this is the greatest thing that can happen rodeo wise for our city, for Alberta, for Edmonton. This is great. So people are just going to have to figure out a way to get to the rink. That's it. Yeah. Our point here being is that parking is going to be a concern for the rural Albertans and outside of rural Albertans that are going to be coming to our city to take in this event. That's our point. Uh, DK says, no one cares about this country nonsense. Oh, come on, DK. I think a lot of listeners would probably disagree with you. DK looks like he needs to send his application into farming for love. They'd happily have him. Would they? You don't have to be a farmer or care about country at all. You just be engineering you're, for you're long, just a, You're just a dater. Yes. Go in there and fall in love with a good old-fashioned country girl. Yes. DK, there you go. Send in your application. Farming for love. You and the big Cebolla can check things out. Oh, man, another, you know, I, I know that uh, Wally was trying to get under my skin there. That's okay. Love you, Wally. Yes, yes, Wally. Um uh, Thanks for everybody coming on the show again today. We had another solid, solid uh, guest list. Greg Wyshynski from the uh, ESPN. Uh, man, oh man, he's got lots of information, analytics, things like that. Uh, uh, check him out uh, on ESPN. Ladislav Schmid, our co-host, uh, once again, uh, brings it every Thursday from 8 to 10. Mark Spector for On the Mark for Booster Juice. Uh, Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times and our Pigskin Report uh, as the NFL Thursday night football game uh, gets things rolling tonight. Uh, 
Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Uh, hey, it was good to talk to Kenny Albert, Rangers play-by-play man, and the author of a new book coming out uh, called, uh, uh, what's it called again? Oh, uh, Mike for All Seasons. Uh, sorry about that, Kenny. Uh, Mike for All Seasons. Um, Kenny Albert uh, guested with us, as did Kelly Buckberger, as the Oilers uh, will uh, raise the, it's not a banner, I guess it's just their names to the Ring of Honor on the Oilers Hall of Fame night for Charlie Huddy and... Uh, Dougie Waits. So uh, going to be a nice night at uh, Rogers Place, soon to be the home of the CFR. And Tim Ellis uh, guested with us to uh, kind of put that uh, in a little bowl yesterday's uh, CFR announcement. Uh, <laughs> Matt says, I'm only going if the Yellowstone Ranch will be there. More than enough parking around the arena with all the parkades. Why does this topic always come up? Boys, we can park under that big building to the east. Went to school in Delburn. Lance the Rancher. Do you know him, Duke? I'd have to get a last name from old Lance or the Rancher, but uh, if he's from the area and has been for the past 20-ish years still, I probably do know him. Well, I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation with Walter tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening, Walter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, It was a great show again. We'll see you back here uh, in the morning. Coming up at the top of the hour, it's Fantasy Frenzy with... Former uh, Chef T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn. Brandon Douglas. Uh... 12 to 2, low down with low tide. 2 to 6, Jason Greger takes us home with the Jason Greger Show. Oilers in action tonight with the Rangers. We'll have tons of stuff to talk about tomorrow morning. Thanks for uh, listening today. We'll see you back tomorrow. First up, here is the Duke with a sports update.